Anna Kate's response, didn't you? But you always be thankful for something, you know. She came through. Mom and Dad were so proud of her. <laughs> and I thought I heard two or three teachers go, Amen, hallelujah, glory to God. But we got to go back tomorrow. Oh, me. And Kennedy, did y'all see her wings? And those britches that she was wearing. Jennifer, did you make those? No, okay, not at all. All right, all right. I want to buy a set of those for the choir. Y'all would look good in those. Y'all see her? They were pretty cool. All the music this morning and choir singing all referred to Jesus as the king, and that is the title of the sermon this morning. The king's offer. The king's offer to us, and I want to talk about that. A little bit different sermon than what I first thought about, but of course we're right here in the middle of Thanksgiving, and then we've got Advent coming up. I want to I want to start off by sharing with you. I woke up this morning and I'm sore. My legs are sore, my arms are sore, and it dawned on me why. This week we hosted my mom's side of the family. Now my mom was not planning on being there. This was Friday night, so her two sisters and some cousins that came, and uh, several of them have some health issues. So Lana said, "I'll host your families on Friday night." Of course, I said it. Earlier in the week, very carefully and cautiously with fear and trembling, is there anything I can do to help? Yes. Yes, there is. And Chris, I had to mop our entire house twice. I mopped the roof. I mopped our driveway. I am so sore. I didn't really do all that mopping, but I did do all the mopping. I really have been wondering why I'm so blooming sore. And so, anyway... The floors look beautiful, and we had a great occasion, and our whole family came together, but I am sore this morning, but thankful. My mom was not going to come. She just has not felt good at all, and so her plans were not to come. But about 4 o'clock, we were meeting at 5, she called me. I can't stand it. No matter what, I'm coming. Your daddy's bringing me. We're going to drive right to the front door. And so we got her up the steps and got her in. Of course, our house was way too cold. So I had to cover in blankets, but she came. So praise the Lord. We had a great Thanksgiving and a good celebration. And, uh, and I truly am sore. That part I didn't make up, but it just dawned on me this morning. And so I told Lana, I told it in the early service, and I said, I really am sore. She said, why do you think I got you to do it? So uh, I want to begin by reading two scriptures. I'm not going to refer back to them that often, just to simply remind us uh, that the Bible refers to Jesus as King. So I want to go first and read Revelation 19, Revelation 19, 15 and 17. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword that with it he should strike the nations. And he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name that is written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. That's Revelation 19. Just a reminder that he is, was, and forever will be King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Then I want to go back and just read to you in Matthew, the second chapter, uh, Christmas story. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, where is he? Where is he? The one who has been born king of the Jews. 
But we've seen his star in the east, and we've come to worship him. So, so two main references from scriptures, but this is only just two. There's many, many more references to the fact and to the reminder that Jesus is a king, and he has a kingdom. He has a kingdom. The sons and daughters of God, you and I are part of this kingdom. I've already made reference, but today is Christ the King Sunday. Did you know, if you didn't know, this is the, on the Christian calendar, the last Sunday of the year on the Christian calendar. So next Sunday, December the 3rd, first Sunday of Advent, is the first Sunday in the Christian calendar. But it ends with Christ the King, and I got that in my head and got to thinking about it and decided to preach about the King's offer. So today is Christ the King Sunday. Advent starts the Christian calendar next week. And Advent declares that the king did come to earth and that Revelation reminds us the king's going to come back. Why did the king come in the first place? It's a good question. Matthew 121, Gabriel announced and said, and I want you to fill in the blank. Gabriel said, she will bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus for he will save his people from their sins. That's why the king came. So let's talk about that for a little bit. Let's talk about the sin. Let's talk about why he had to come. Let's go all the way back. Where did the sin begin? We know for humans, you know the story in Genesis, the third chapter. You can go back and read all of it, but I just want to read one verse. Genesis 3, 6. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Now we know that that's where sin entered in to the human race. Y'all know I quote Dr. Dennis Kinlaw. I just like him, and I so I'm going to glean from some words he said and add some to it, but most of the next few paragraphs were from Dr. Dennis Kinlaw about Genesis 3 and about Adam and Eve. How can Christians intellectually handle and emotionally face the evil in our world? How did life, how did life become so corrupt if God is so good and if he is in sovereign control? It would be easy to say that there must have been some enormous and tragic event that cast its curse across all time and into every corner of space. But interestingly enough, Scripture reports that the source of the curse did not seem to be a, a monumental act. Two people simply looked in the wrong direction turned their faces from the source of their lives because they had already been in relationship, paradise. But just two people simply looked the wrong direction. They turned their faces from the source of their lives and they looked to a tree that could bring them knowledge of evil and of the good that they had already lost or that they were about to lose, the understanding of it. There's no indication that Adam and Eve wanted to get rid of God we don't read that in there. They had a great relationship. 
I know they hid themselves from him. If you read the story and, and God called out, Adam, Adam, where are you? One of the saddest moments in human history. God knew where they were. But more importantly, he knew where they were not at. Where are you, Adam? We hid ourselves. But there's no indication before this that they really wanted to get rid of God. They were perfectly content to keep God around as long as, as long as they could have the fruit of that one tree. Sin is, is just simple turning your eyes away from God and reaching for what you want. That hasn't changed. I don't blame Adam and Eve. The Bible is clear to tell us that for all have sinned, all have sinned, even those folks in the choir have fallen short of the glory of God. We do the same thing they did. We, we, we do that. We sin. We simply turn our eyes away from God. I've done it. I just go toward what I want. Simple understanding of what sin is. Alarming and, and disastrous consequences resulted from that simple choice to just look away. The effects ripple through hundreds of generations. And once a sin is committed, there's absolutely no way you can undo it. Now, I know that we can come to him and he can cover our sins with his own blood. I know that he tells us that our sins will be cast as far as the east is from the west. But once it's committed, it's... It's there. Adam and Eve gained only the knowledge of the evil through their choice. They'd already known the good. Their sin separated them from the one who himself is goodness. So the question for Adam and Eve, the question for Adam and Eve and for us, is it really worth it? Is it really worth it? I'll just go ahead and answer for all of us. It's not. It's not. The plan, the plan from the foundation of the world was that God would send a king. He, he already had it planned. The Bible tells us that. He would send his son. We're, we read on this side. We've got the New Testament. But, but the plan was already there to send the king to come to this earth in human form and then die for our sins and for our sinfulness. All of that includes the fact that he would make available to us salvation and eternal life. So how do I get from my sinfulness to this salvation? Again, the sermon title is The King's Offer. So I want to take the rest of the sermon to share with you what the offer is. In order for you to have this salvation, and me to have the salvation, and for me to have eternal life. What the king offers to us is repentance. It's all in the Bible. I'm going to read just a few, few scriptures to remind us of that. Repentance is a major theme in the Bible. And a requirement for sinful humans to approach a holy God. What does repent mean? All kinds of definitions. I'll just give you this one. It, it, is, it, is, it is acknowledging that I am a sinner and I need a Savior. At the very heart of it, that's part of it. It, it is uh, humbly asking, and I use the word humbly, and I'll come back to that in a moment, but it's humbly asking the King 
for forgiveness and turning away from your sin and turning toward the only one who can save you. The only one. That's why we start this process all over again and teach our children and our grandchildren that the king is coming, that he did come the first time. We'll start next week. We'll talk about it all year long. We'll add in the fact to be a part of that kingdom, repentance must be a part of it. When he began his public ministry, that is when Jesus began his public ministry, Matthew 4, 17, in the other gospels he repeats this, Jesus said, repent for the kingdom. Ah, the kingdom. We got a king. Repent, he said, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. John the Baptist preached the same sermon. Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. In Mark, the first chapter, verse 15, the time is fulfilled. And the kingdom, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Can I just believe it? Do I have to repent? Seems like repentance is part of it. Luke, the 13th chapter, on two occasions, on two occasions, when people died of unexpected events, Jesus noted and he said this, unless you repent, you will all likewise perish. Repentance is important. Thank God the king gave us this offer. Because unless you repent, you'll likewise perish. Acts 17.30, repentance applies to everyone. God commands all men everywhere to repent. Acts 17. After his death, you know, I'm only giving you a few. But after Jesus' death and his rising from the dead, Jesus instructed his disciples to teach about his sacrifice and also that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning at Jerusalem. That's in Luke 24, 46 and 47, and then also in Matthew 28, 18 through 20. Preach this, teach this. Simon Peter, one of the one of the main disciples of Jesus, Simon Peter wrote this in 2 Peter 3, 9. God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. King offers us repentance. That's what we preach. That's what we teach. Is repentance a one-time emotional event so that you can feel better about your life? Is that what it is? Is repentance just that? A one-time just emotional event so that I can feel better about my life? Or is repentance a process designed to continually change your life? I want to answer it by saying true repentance is much more than just a momentary emotional reaction. It is actually a lifelong process that we live into. I don't think believers should ever get far from the fact of realizing you need to get on your knees before the Holy King and repent. Have you repented? Now that we've shared all this information, have you repented? Do you have an humble, repentant heart before God? Because we see that the king, the king, the Lord of lords over his kingdom offers to you today and to me this gift and this opportunity to repent of your sins. Madeline, my granddaughter, she's 10. She was with us last night and has been with us several nights lately. And she, like a lot of kids, like to play hide and go seek. And she wanted to play last night. But I was tired, and I was sore from mopping, 
And, uh, but I did it anyway because she loves it and kids love it. And it's just a simple game, but you just go hide. And she can hide in some awesome places. Our house is pretty big and the upstairs and everything else. But the, it's fun. You know, you count out one, two, three, ready or not, here I come. You know, and so you start looking. Of course, I usually try to scare her and sneak up on her and find her. And when I hide, and one time I hid last night, I was in the bathroom. I was behind the shower curtain in the back bathroom, and I just had my hand out. It was dark back there. When, so she looked in, turned on the light. There was the hand. And, of course, I, ah, you know, ah, you didn't scare me. You didn't scare me. She'll always say that, but I did. But then we'd laugh and cut up and hug each other, and it's just a joy, and it's about relationship, and that's why we play hide-and-go-seek. She hid herself, and I go find her. I want to make reference to Luke, the 15th chapter in closing. There are three stories in Luke 15. You can read them this afternoon. They're about things that were lost and needed to be found. One of them is about a lost sheep. The other one is about a lost coin. Simple stories, but they teach a powerful truth about repentance. So a lost sheep, a lost coin, and a lost son, the prodigal son. All of those are in Luke 15. Now, the prodigal son never uses the word repentance, but you see in the story how the son came to the father. He humbled himself and said, I don't even deserve to be a son anymore. I'll go back and just ask my father to let me be a servant, let me be a slave. You know the story. The father from far off reached out and grabbed him and hugged him, put the robe on him. He wanted him to be a son, but you see that the boy came back with a repentant heart. In the other two stories, almost word for word, I'm going to read Luke 15.10. The lost sheep, the lost coin, the lost son. Luke 15.10 says, Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So I want to remind you today, and I know most of you know this, that the king has offered to us repentance. We've been studying the book of James. James uses the word meekness of humility. And he talks about that we must humbly come before our God in James 4. It tells us that God resists the proud. But he gives grace to the humble. But part of the act of repentance is humbly asking God, for his mercy, humbly asking God for his grace. And so the line is that when they see this, the angels of God celebrate. They're giving each other high fives and fist bumps. Glory to God. Another one repented and came to the kingdom, to the king of God. Because that's what the king offers to us. He offers us this opportunity. So I ask you today, as we close out this Christian year, we begin Advent. We're going to be talking about it all over again that the king is coming. Have you ever come to the king and repented? The Bible teaches us that we should, we must, in order to have the salvation and the eternal life that we get. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for giving us repentance. We here in America just celebrate Thanksgiving, but I thank you, God. I thank you so much for allowing us to repent. And so... I openly, before my brothers and sisters, I repent before you, God. I am not worthy of your kingdom, but I know because of your mercy, your love, your grace, you have offered us the opportunity to repent. 
God, I pray that everyone here has entered into that. I pray, God, if there's somebody here this morning who hasn't, they realize for the first time, you know, I've never really repented. God, help them to have the freedom to make that choice this morning. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, God, that you are the King of kings and you're the Lord of lords. And we praise you, God, that we're a part of your kingdom. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Our closing hymn is hymn number 351, Pass Me Not, O Gentle Savior. Let's stand together and sing hymn number 351. The altar is open.